There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, great to be back with you again for another exciting week. Um, I'm delighted to have Jennifer Jordan back on the show. Uh, before I introduce Jennifer and we start talking about funding your growth in today's business environment, um, I'd like to say a big thank you to uh, Lisa Earl the Cloud. Uh, Lisa, last week we were talking about uh, noble purpose and uh, we were talking about, you know, kind of the the world really and what's going on right now and why noble purpose is so so important and um i i love lisa's work i think she's uh she's fantastic and the term noble purpose has really spread around the globe uh in the the years since i i've worked with her before on the show and if you're just interested in what is going on there was some really really insightful conversation uh last week uh, that i think you'll find find fascinating because i do believe we all need to step up uh, with noble purpose to help the world to solve some of the problems and be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem, which is something I feel so passionate about with this show, really, that what we, we've become with this show is a, a platform where I introduce people to you who are, are part of the solution and are striving to be part of that solution. So probably a little bit of a, a shift. I think business has a key role to play in that in terms of elevating its thinking, its behaviors to think about people and planet as well as profit. And uh, business leaders like ourselves, we can, uh, need, can be at the forefront of that. So so great to um, be back. Thank you, Lisa. And today we're going to really consider uh, this area, important area of venture capital. I'd like to understand what it is. Uh, and to, to really think about in the formation of maybe your, your startup or your business, uh, when that might come into play possibly. And also just have a, a conversation, is it something we should be doing right now in, in this very strange um, business climate that we've got and global climate and economic climate, uh, which feels like uh, almost the winter of discontent uh, to many. Uh, but important, I think, too, that we... I should say, I don't want us to all get gloomy about it. I do believe that we need to bring the best of ourselves each day with confidence into what we do and not allow ourselves to um, to be pulled down by this, you know, allow it to elevate you up with a great vision mm -hmm. and a, a, and some direction. Um, now, Jennifer Jordan, I, I'm delighted to have on the show again. She joined me a year ago, and I think she's a, a fascinating guest. She has a really, really... Kind of deep insight into things into into markets into investment into technical areas that i can i can honestly say i don't fully understand at all myself but listening to jennifer she just brings you know some insight into what's really going on right now when it comes to data when it comes to investment um so i really kind of admire her and i think she's a great person to talk to with us today about about this whole area of investment about building valuable enterprises, what she does. Um, I say she has some great wisdom. And uh, since we last spoke, she, well, she she's changed uh, and is now working um, with um, iGlobe Partners. Um, but just to give you a little bit of a rundown on her experience, uh, she's led multiple investments 
across lots of business sectors. She's been a managing director at Techstars for Barclays New York Accelerator and their Female Founders First program. And this area of female, I know, is, is very important to her as well, and female leaders. As a VC um, and a vice president of Mass Ventures, uh, she led the firm's investments in um, areas like synthetic bio, uh, biology, data transparency, um, LN and AI that lets salespeople sell, um, also uh, industrial IoT for advanced manufacturing, digital procurement, so lots of different sectors. Uh, today, she's a venture capital partner for iGlobe Partners, and she helps to unearth, invest and grow startups into global leaders. So I think this is um, great to have somebody who's really on the inside when it comes to venture capital to be you know, explaining about how do we how do we go about it? What is it, et cetera? So I think we're going to get an insider's view today, which I'm excited about uh, and, um, and, a, and a good context of what's really going on. So a big welcome, a big welcome to Jennifer Jordan. Chris, thank you so much. I'm just delighted to be here. I, I, I still have to give a shout out to Judy Robinette, who introduced us, who's like one of the world's most consummate networkers and connectors. And it's been my pleasure and privilege to be here on the the Elevate business. It's just amazing. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. And uh, yeah, a big thank you to Judy. I, I love Judy. I need to get back in touch. I've realized it's been a, been a few months now since we last were in touch, but thank you because um, she does introduce me to some wonderful people and you're one of them. So, uh, so it's great. And um, I, I hope you don't mind me sort of saying, I know um, you've... Um, you're a little under the weather today. Um, I think a few of us have been there. The engineer has just um, has just told me that he's got COVID. I had it a few weeks ago, and I think you're getting over it right now. So, uh... yeah, I am. And, and for the the audience members listening, I sound a little nasal, and I've lost my sense of smell. So, any of you who've gone through this, I have such tremendous empathy. Yeah, <laughs> born of experience. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be we'll be kind to you today and, yeah. uh, and, and understanding because lots and lots of us have been there now now with it. Well, just remind me what part of the of America are you are you based? I am talking to you today from Charlestown, Massachusetts, which is part of Boston, and it's actually the place that if you think of your American Revolutionary history, it's where Paul Revere rode across the Charles River and climbed up onto the hill to watch them put up the lanterns to go and alert uh, people that the British were coming. Uh, so that's where I'm sitting, right near Beacon Hill. I can see the monument just up the hill. Those nasty British. Nasty British. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I won't be one of those today. <laughs> we're, we're raising the rabble here yeah. on the East Coast. Yeah. So, so what's been with it? It was a year ago, April last year when we last spoke. So what's what's been going on for you? Besides the COVID? So um, a, a couple different things, of course. I... Um, as you know, I told you that I I I have moved on from Techstars. I still do some work for them as a consultant, but I I work for uh, iGlobe Partners as a venture partner. So I'm not an actual a partner in the firm. I'm a venture partner, which means my job is to be um, sort of their eyes and ears in sourcing and do any work with entrepreneurs and founders that they want me to do. Um, iGlobe is a, a really interesting firm, and we can talk more about that if you want, and about its founding, because its founder is a, a just a phenomenal woman and truly a pioneer in the space and in in tech. Yes. So we can talk about that. That sounds good. Now, you know, I think last time we spoke, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but last time we spoke, I think... Uh... I remember you saying that you uh, you into fishing, which um, I, I, which piqued my curiosity. So, what do you do 
What do you do ah. outside of work when you're not in this? Um, when I'm not work working, of, of I'm in. I'm so fishing, I do know how to fly fish, and I love <laughs> to fly fish, and that's something I used to do with my dad. We have not done much of it the last couple of years because of COVID and mm. not traveling with him since his oh he's older. But we spent a good number of years going out to visit Yellowstone and fly fishing oh, in West beautiful. Yellowstone. Oh. And right around this year, we'd be planning our trip for September, October. Mm. Yeah. And when I lived on the West Coast, I would meet him there, right, to go yeah. to go float and to fly fish. Um, what my husband and I have been doing this summer is we are surfing. So I continue consider myself a perpetually um, beginner surfer because yeah. mostly I surf here on the East Coast. And the best surfing in the East Coast is in the winter when the water is below 48 degrees and the... the uh, or around in a, yeah below 48 degrees <laughs> you're wearing a very very heavy wetsuit and you're pouring water down your wetsuit that's warm to try to keep you warm and actually I top out when the water gets to about 52 I'm like okay I'm done for the year so yeah. it means a really short season to practice yeah it's cold yeah. yeah I was I was surfing in Cornwall about about two three weeks ago in the south oh. of England which for, had a couple of couple of surfing lessons and uh really really enjoyed it in, in my wetsuit um yeah <laughs> so so um well great to hear about that it's always good to hear that the sort of human side of people's lives and uh what's what's going on with them but you, we, st we started to talk about iglobe and i wonder what's inspired you to join them and you mentioned the founder was was certainly one key reason what's a little bit you know what's the reason why, why are we particularly attracted to this organization yeah. Let me let me talk about that for a little bit. So iGlobe Partners is kind of a unique firm. It was founded 22 years ago, right at right at the right in around 1999 is when Subun Co founded her first firm herself. But she really was a pioneer. She came from Singapore to the U.S. Uh, and in, in the 80s to help Singapore government do a tech transfer for chartered semiconductor. So this is the period when semiconductors are just getting going and starting to move offshore. Uh, Taiwan has founded TSMC, right? TSMC has been founded in Taiwan and Singapore is seeing that and setting their agenda to become a leader in technology and said, hey, we need to do this. So she came able, over to do that. Uh, she did a very good job. And so uh, the Singapore government said, hey, now we wanna learn not just how they stand up these companies, but this thing, venture capital. So they said, we want you to run a fund, which is still going. It's called Vertex Investments, and it's now part of Temasek. Would you lead this fund, a private-public partnership, to invest Singapore money in U.S. technology companies and learn venture capital? And as she was doing these things, she developed a number of mentors. And those mentors were people from the foundings of the electronics industry and companies like Cadence Design Systems, which I happened to go and work for. And maybe 10, 15 years later, I was covering those companies as an analyst on the investment banking side. So I, there's a little part of me that feels like if I'd met her then, it would have been a very amazing experience to work yeah. together that whole time. Because um, she was truly, she's truly a pioneer. So those mentors saw what she was doing, and in 1999, they said, "You know, you're quite good. 
and you should have your own fund and we'll back you to start your own fund. So she sometimes jokes she was a double minority, like an Asian woman starting her own venture fund in 1999, right as the downturn hit, it turned out. And she did well and she delivered returns in that period when a lot of new venture funds went under and didn't make it through the bubble of, of 2000, 2001. And, um, and then she's gone on and now she has had an amazing track record of, um, of uh, top quartile perform returns. And some of the companies you might know that are her recent investments. So there are companies like uh, Unity Software. And that's a unique story. We can talk about how she was introduced to Unity and how you know the Singapore fund is a, a backer of one of the strongest tech companies coming out of Europe. And, and is this, can I ask, is, is the fund linked in at all with Singapore's sovereign wealth fund? No, it's independent. Her independent yeah. fund. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the LPs come, you know, usually mostly family offices, high net worth, and some institutional, but her yeah. fund. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to did a but, project for the so Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund and based in London, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so quite an interesting, very interesting world. And, and one thing I'm kind of in, intrigued with, I mean, does iGlow partners say they care about changing the world for the better on the website, which is good yeah. to hear because I, as I mentioned earlier, I believe in, I believe that we should all be doing that. Um, I'm not sure if always, and whether people listening would always link uh, investment and venture capitalists with necessarily with changing the world for the better. I don't know. Um, is is this um, this her particular philosophy, or do you think do you think um, this kind of more ethical choosing has become over, over perhaps making money has become more prevalent and important? Well, I think um, I think what it is, I think some of this is her particular view of the world. Like, I think she's been doing this long enough that if it wasn't fun and it wasn't the right founders and the right companies for her, she wouldn't do it. Yeah. Right. I think the second part is that um, I think more and more people are recognizing that they they are, you know, the the. The goal is to deliver top quartile returns, and sometimes that 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 normally has to take precedent on some way. But we're recognizing that we can deploy capital in the things we believe that make a really difference, and that this may be the fastest, most efficient way to 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 evoke those changes. And you see yeah. a lot of that activity now in climate and climate tech. Yes. Right. That there are things that wouldn't wouldn't be getting done otherwise if it were not for uh, venture capital and sort of the very early stage founders and the young people coming out of our universities who are saying like, look, this has to be done differently, and here's how we're going to do it. Here's here's our solution to this piece of the problem. Let's solve at least this. Yeah. Like, can't wait around for government and policy. Let's go solve it. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that's actually why I joined investments in the first place. We talked about a, that on your other show that I had spent some time in nonprofits and I got frustrated because I felt like there was a, sometimes a view of like a very small pie of philanthropic giving that we were all fighting for. And instead, when you look at the public markets, you look at these opportunities to grow very, very large pie and kind of limitless 
unbounded by your creativity if you create something that people really need. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's some very, very noble opportunities in there. And, and I imagine, you know, that's, there is an increase in demand, isn't there, for, yeah. or solutions to, to a lot of these problems. So we see a lot of growth in, in yeah. tech around sustainability and et cetera. I so. can give you a great example. Mm -hmm. I just had the honor of working with one of the iGlobe portfolio companies. It's called Hue Bio, H-U-U-E dot bio. Mm -hmm. And um, Hue uses synthetic biology to create dyes for textiles that are completely biodegradable. And in doing that, it changes the dyeing process. So it's no longer this caustic chemical process that spews and ruins gallons and gallons of water, spews toxic waste, gives people in the regions dyeing textiles, cancers and other diseases. It's, it's a phenomenal opportunity on the climate side. And it's a tremendously great business opportunity because consumers know that their clothes are toxic and they want this change, right? Yeah. And and they're, this company is leveraging all the scale of synthetic biology that's come before them to make, to be able to develop these colors, novel colors that are biodegradable and clean and a dying process that's clean. Love it. Sounds, yeah. sounds, sounds tremendous. And well, that's, that's Michelle Zhu and Tammy Hugh, Hugh, and they came out of Jennifer Doudna's lab at UC Berkeley, and it's a, a phenomenal company. And thank you to Material Impact Fund for coming in and leading the Series A. Um, we're honored to be part of it. Uh, yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. And on, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break, and then after the commercial break, we'll have um. I'd like to get get a sense from you as to you know how you see the world right now, and whether this is a good time to be. Uh, looking for funds and growing and uh, with the with the current sort of climate um, and then when we have a look at a few sectors that are growing and some advice on if we're, we're interested in 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 growth and funds how do you go about it uh, what's the methodology what are the top tips and etc so do join us after the break we'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Jennifer Jordan. We're talking about about venture capital and and this uh, amazing world. And before the break, we were talking about her her relationship with iGlobe partners and just just before we we move on from iGlobe and we get into this what's what's does a day-to-day what's what's your day-to-day life like when you're working I mean what what are you actually doing during the during a yeah, typical I, day there, there are two I would say that there are two main parts of my day-to-day work and then maybe there's a little third adjunct the 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 first part is actively going out and meeting with entrepreneurs so at least two days a week, I'm trying to meet with as many startup founders as I can in the sectors that iGlobe cares about. And um, at the stage of investment that we care about. Mm. The, the other percent of my time, I spend trying to talk with other venture capitalists who are working on the types of deals that I'm interested in. Some of them invest earlier than we do. Um, some of them invest later than we do, but the goal is to sort of keep that network fluid because I need to have uh, opportunities coming into me. And then I also need to be able to get opportunities to the right partners. Uh-huh. And first at the stage that we invest in, and then as the companies grow and evolve, uh, be able to know who would be a good investor for them for their next subsequent financing rounds. Right. And you, you just um, raises an interesting question is the stage that you get involved in so what might be if, if a company is looking for investment uh, uh, then is there a is there an early point where maybe they might go to an angel investor first and then come to someone like you and they're a little bit more mature, mature? what what point do you yeah. enter in and what's the relationship with maybe other types of other types of finance yeah i almost think about it one way to think about it is almost like a ladder so so at the very bottom rung of the ladder is the place where you you are in company formation, right? You you maybe you only have a minimal viable product, like you you have you have an idea and you've kind of found a way to deliver this service and you know you know what the need is, mm-hmm. right? And you can articulate the story about where you're going and what's what you know articulate the business plan and the model, but you don't know. There's a lot of things you don't know and you really haven't got, you might even be no revenue yet, right? That's the stage when you're forming and that's the stage where you usually see friends and families helping helping people get things off the ground. You're tapping your savings. You're, you know, you're, you're, maybe you found a few paying customers, but they're really paying you for something that looks more like a service than a product yet. Um, that's the stage that comes and sometimes right in there 
and just after the people that you're starting to talk to are angel investors. Yeah. They're high net worth people who um, make investments in businesses. Uh, they're, they're looking for returns. They want to see a return. So they're expecting some, some, some payback. They want you to be successful. So they're pretty discerning, but they're, they will take that level of risk, right? Um, some angels will come in at that formation stage. We have a wonderful man here in Boston who does a lot of that work, um, but there's there's many of them, right? Some will want to come when things are a little more proven. You have that minimal product, the minimal viable product. You've started to do some more testing. There's some evidence there that there's something real here, right? Um, yeah. and then, and then, so as you aggregate resources and de-risk what you're up to, then you walk up to the next stage, which is like angels and pre-seed funders. So these might be small funds, small venture capital funds and angel groups that would, uh, turn around and fund your investment. And again, here's where you, you have a little more of a team you have that minimal viable product. You may even have some first sales or pilot customers and and you're telling the story of where you can go. Now, I wanna caution that we're only talking about uh, venture capital right now and the sort of angel capital, but there are so many ways to grow and finance a business and there's so many types of businesses. And there's, I think one of the things that's, hard in the news when you start looking at venture capital is you you see um, so many stories right now and there's so much conversation in their conversation on Twitter but truly not every business is a venture capital backable business yeah um, because we're really looking for these things that can grow to be a hundred million dollars or more within five years yeah. This is a rarity of a type of business. It means that the market opportunity has to be big enough, the need acute enough, and the team strong enough to execute on that. Yes. And that's, you know, 2% of all businesses. And of the ones that get funded in those early stages, 90% of them don't make it all the way yeah. to those exits and yes. the, that growth. It's so it's a, a small number, so, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean that they are not of those 90%. Usually what happens is, yeah, a good 40% of them fail. Yeah. And then there's a layer in the, and 10% are succeeding. And then yeah. there's a layer in the middle that are becoming viable businesses. Right. Some other, and they go on to find other ways of funding themselves or funding themselves through customers, but they become sustaining businesses. The challenge for investors are they're not businesses that are generating returns for their portfolio. Right? Yes, because presumably until you, they have an yeah. exit, if they have an exit. Yeah. So presumably you make you make your money yeah. on a percentage of exit. Do you generally? Yeah, so you, you don't make any money move. until you have an exit. No, so you, well, so you, you make you... management fees, and that's a whole other conversation, and that could be a whole other show. <laughs> but, but about what's wrong with venture capital, and 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 how can we do better? But um, the 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 return, the rubber meets the road on the exit. And one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, things can look great 
right up until the end and then they don't yes right yeah so, so you so you literally um, understanding this correctly you you might have to have to back back 10 uh and and find 10 of these rare opportunities to to bar maybe some management fees to to find one that does incredibly well and uh makes That's it all right. worthwhile and have a few that might be might be becoming which you're trying to decide yeah where, it's where, this where out they call it the uh, an outlier game right mm -hmm. and so you're you're really looking for the that that tenth one that funds the return for the whole fund on some level now yeah. you 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 do better if you can get your other companies in the middle to perform even better and deliver some returns too, because every bit helps, but, but that's right. Um, but that said, we're not just, I don't think we're just mercenaries. I think what we are fundamentally looking for are, you know, businesses with those characteristics, but with great operators and, and execution chops. So they really can get built. And, um, and we are usually willing to play, you know, we, these, this is you, one of the things you said you wanted to talk about at the break was, is, is this a good time to form a business? Yeah, that's my last question. Right. And, 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 and uh, the answer is yes. Like most, some of the most disruptive businesses get funded during these periods of dislocation economically, because this is when you can really see what's broken. Mm. And, and when entrepreneurs see what's broken, they set out to find novel solutions to yep. fix it. And then when those novel solutions are found in those moments, that's when you get these big opportunities. So sometimes they don't come right at the beginning of the sort of disruption because you're, you're still working things through. Investors are still solving, trying to help the strongest of their companies that, that they have backed, find their way, muddle their way through here, find their way through, um, or position them for success. But once that settles, which is, you know, we, we think we're starting to see some of that now, but it may, we, we just don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. great. It's great. Uh, it is a great time for that, isn't it? With so many kind of almost someone liking it to me uh, as, you know, permafrost melting and you see the rock patches of rock underneath. And it does feel at the moment during this time, we're seeing lots of, lots of bare patches of rock that are, that are appearing underneath, which, are, which, which are highlighting to us where things aren't right. You know, it's a, there's a, I mean, real paradigm shifts in some areas, aren't we? You know, what we thought was, uh, was true before is not true now. And, um, yeah. and you're right, that yields opportunity. Yeah, it, it will definitely, it yields opportunity. It continues to yield opportunity. So one of the things that's really interesting is you always see this, the first place when things get hit are um, venture venture capital and and startups are and, and their values are pretty tied to the public markets. Sometimes we forget. But so what usually happens is like public markets start to anticipate that something's not right. They have their dislocation, tech stocks go way down. Then the sort of, growth stage, the companies that are venture back that are closest to an exit feel the pain first. And then mm. it kind of waterfalls down. But it it doesn't normally hit quite as hard, but it will reset a bit the valuations for the earliest stage companies because here it's the new things getting started. 
but they but but it will pull us back to a place where those first valuations for the new things are much or more reasonable. And we already saw that in the first half. It's we're down uh, early stage valuations down about sixteen percent. Um, pre-seed and seed not quite as affected at this point, but but it's definitely getting harder to raise. There's more quality, fl- like flight to quality, um, but there's also stuff getting done because mm. we this this is what we do. We look for the things that are going to shape the future. Mm. So will they but they be the first, the kind of almost a leading indicator of of, of markets um i've see, seen that with some of the tech stocks that have gone have sort of gone down are they going to be the a leading indicator of, of pulling out the other side in terms of maybe their valuations going back up again first mm. or was it i was it just overvalued in the first place well i i think we maybe had a little bit of everything overvalued we certainly had a lot yeah. of inflation in the last five years of valuation inflection has been a little bit crazy um, so I think, will they be the bellwethers coming out? Maybe I'm not totally sure. I think we'll, we may see some other things, but I think what you do see are some fundamentals in the economy right now, at least in the U S the results were, were not so bad. The last round here where inflation kind of tempered and jobs have kind of tempered and that hopefully that helps give us what the fed was looking for that soft landing. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know okay, we still feel like the plane is yeah i'm doing uh airplane wings with my arms yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so if if you were right now if you were other particular sectors if you're starting a, a business right now that we maybe should focus our attention on i think we talked a little bit about sustainability and maybe biotech and other certain ones that you look out for that are maybe a bit more attractive oh. or or is it more about the concepts and whether it will sell in the marketplace right now. I think if you're in an if you're the entrepreneur, the the and you're starting a business, I think most entrepreneurs don't start a business by saying, yeah, this is a sector that investors will invest in. I think that's a useful consideration when you think about how am I going to get funded, what's the strategy I'm going to use, and what are the characteristics of my business. So when people are really starting, actually, I'll also encourage founders to really ask themselves, especially first-time founders, what what kind of business do I want to build, yeah. right? Because when you, when you take other people's money, you see some elements of control because now you're also accountable to them, right? So that those questions for yourself at formation, like what are the characteristics that are likely of this business and this model? And does, is it, is what type of funding or method is the right one? It's a really important exercise. But if you find that you're on this venture capital path, you're not usually thinking about, will the, is this, is this sector investable? You're thinking about, is this business investable? Yeah. Yes. And is this problem I'm solving a, a big enough, real enough, acute enough problem that people will really pay for it? Customers yeah. will really pay for it and will have the type of growth from it that we need for venture capital. Yeah. Great. We've got three minutes till commercial break. And I'm kind of wondering if, if you're in that stage where you're uh, you're thinking, actually, we've we've um, it's time to speak to a venture capital firm to maybe um, put some more money into the business so we can really accelerate our growth. What's the what's the best practice in terms of the process to go about doing that, to approaching 
someone like yourself, like yourselves for conversation? Yeah. Um, so the first thing is really get your ducks in a row. You've got to have a story that's a compelling story and you've, it's, you've got to have a really good understanding of the, of the business. And you got to be honest with yourself about what you don't know and don't know and yeah. what you intend to find out. Cause yes. the, the whole thing about this sort of funding the business is you're funding we're you're, we're, you're, you're asking for our funding to de-risk certain things as quickly as you can. And you have to show that momentum of what you've de-risked already, what you're going to find out with our money and yeah. where it will get us when we're done with it. So, yes. cause we have to have confidence that where we'll end up when you've spent my money is a place where we're going to be able to raise more money and we've created more value. Right. So that's, that's the path um, mm -hmm. in terms of the process super important to start thinking about, okay, who would be a likely funder for this type of business and um, make yourself a good list to start and then start looking for good. Uh, who do you know who might know, might be able to give you a warm introduction to those VCs? Because the reality yes. is, yes, we'll take things over the wall, but um, it really, really helps to come to, to, to elevate yourself from the weeds to come mm. with a warm introduction. Yeah. And part of that is it's a little bit signaling like the ability to get in front of people. Yes. The, the, like whether it's customers, because if you can get to me, you can probably get to the customer you want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm just in the last sort of minute, I'm, uh, there is, uh, do people need to be aware? There is the people they will tend to see, like yourself. Would they be described as general partners, the sort of senior people in the practice? And you've yeah, got, the people got, they want to see. You might got, want to meet a venture partner like myself. Even yeah. better is the deciding partners for the firm. So yeah. ideally, the partners. But increasingly, especially in large in larger firms, you know, if the associate is reaching out, don't not take the meeting, mm. right? But but know that there are charges to know everything in the space. And so be judicious with your time and who you're trying to see. And that's another reason why the warm intro to the right person is can be so powerful. Yes. Right. Um and is, but, is it the and is it the um you you have limited partners? Uh, are they are they are they the people that you maybe you also because other people that you're limited the partners are different. Those are the investors in the venture capital. Exactly. Fund. Yeah. So so you've got so, to so what I'm saying, you're going to have to, the idea has got to be so compelling because because you're going to have to sell that idea, aren't you, into the, would you have to sell it into the limited partners who also? Would well, bring the, I've already in? sold the idea of my fund into the limited partners. Uh, okay, so normally sure. they're right. not looking at each investor investment. It's the managing partners. Got so you. let's let's make that clear. The managing partners of the firm. Yes. So, or the partners of the firm that are, are making the investment decisions. I got the so limited partners are the ones we sold off on based on our track record of success of portfolio of investments. I yeah. see. Yeah. Well, last great. thoughts for, for iGlobe. You asked me what are compelling things that we look at? Um, we really think about the future and the like building blocks for a future. So I look at the future of tech. I yeah. look at future of money. I look at Symbio and health. Those are our three main areas. And then smart cities. Oh, great. Fantastic. Right. We're going to have to go to commercial break now um, on, on, on that uh, that note. Smart cities. That's exciting, isn't it? Talk yeah. about. Um, so we'll be back after the break and we'll talk a little bit more about, um, uh, you know, about really about the types of owners, because there's something 
it's not just about the idea, is it? It's about the team that's behind it as well. Because I guess they've got the ones who've got to they help with the plan, but execute it and change direction. And so we'll talk yeah. about that, I think, a little bit after the break. Back again in just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Like the foundation of this industry. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. We're back We're back again. And uh, Jennifer and I are having a great chat and talking about, uh, about DNA technology. And maybe just give us... Um, just to share that little bit of that example there, of, uh, and maybe we could merge into this. There was you were talking about um, a fascinating technology uh, that you've yeah. been involved in the investment of, and and there's, I guess there's two two strands we could talk about. There's clearly the idea, which is really 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 important, compelling, but also the idea is not going to be implemented if you haven't got the right team behind it. So I'm. I'm so yeah. that, that that component is really important too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I remember myself, I used to stand when I when I worked for um ran a procurement um function in a, in a large company and we used to have huge tender so we had pitches with lots of um, promotional ad, ad agencies and people like that coming in and we, we were looking for the idea all the time and um, but but also we needed the right people in the room to have the confidence to could execute it. So I'm imagining there's some parallels there for you. Oh, absolutely. So I can tell you, let me, we Ooh. were talking when we were offline about a company called Twist Bioscience, yeah. founded by an amazing woman named Emily LaProust. And iGlobe Partners was uh, one of the lead investors in that company uh, for one of their rounds. And um, it, 
Emily really had a novel insight in her lab. And, and I can tell the story related to founders better when we talk about Ginkgo Bioworks next. So we'll talk mm. about that next. But just to give you an idea of what, what Emily was doing and is still doing at Twist Bioscience, which is now uh, public publicly, I believe it's a publicly traded company. Um, she prints DNA using semiconductor processes. So in a single room, she can print hundreds and thousands, if not millions of strands of DNA onto wafers. And she only needs a single room of this semiconductor equipment to print hundreds of millions of dollars worth of DNA. So this idea that a thing that was done in the lab titrating things with pipettes into little test tubes over and over with an individual be done with robotics later and then done with oh wait a semiconductor process equipment could be done used to do this was a phenomenal breakthrough wow. and found foundational for the industry right those are those are really the wins when you see a founder like that who really has a vision, who knows what it takes, and because you as an investor can sort of intuit where this is going or have enough technical depth and skill to understand th that she's right about how these processes can be used, and then you do all the diligence to really back up your hunch before you make the investment, you do substantial due diligence. These are the, the things that are, are game changers. Right. And we say at iGlobe, we're looking for global game changers. Um, you know, Subun did Unity software, see, having been introduced and seeing a team. But part of the reason she understood the investment was because her son was just starting to play mul massively multiplayer games out of China. And she suddenly right. saw that these 3D worlds that would be created with Unity would be super valuable and powerful. And that that would, you know, very, very early on. Um, you asked about team for me, that was Ginkgo Bioworks, which is actually the deal that I got to know iGlobe on. I was at Mass Ventures and we see many, many, many companies. And we had a number of companies that we also see coming through a, a grant program that we did, uh, for companies that had won SBIR research grants from the U S government, the small business innovative Re research grants. And, and, um, you know, we see lots of companies in there. And in that year, uh, the team, which was Jason Kelly, Reshma Shetty, Austin Che, uh, Barry, and of course, uh, Tom, was, was, you know, above and beyond what you needed to do that company. And Jason had a very, very clear vision. And the vision was, we need to do synthetic biology at scale. So mm -hmm. synthetic biology is you use the DNA from Emily <laughs> to, uh, and, you, and you use software to understand the DNA and characteristics of organisms like E. coli. And then you engineer specific E. coli to produce different molecules in their excretions to, in, the, in a process that is fermentation, like making beer or making cheese. But to know if you've got the right molecule, you've got the right, like or, you've engineered with the DNA, the right organism 
and it's producing the right molecule at the right volume and everything you need, you need to run this fermentation process and experimentation at scale. Because you got to do many of these organism runs after you've narrowed it down with software, which ones are most likely to really get one that can produce the stuff you want to produce in fermentation at the right volumes, quality, all those characteristics. So he had this vision that we're going to make synthetic biology look like semiconductor manufacturing. And again, synthetic biology then was this like titration with, we're going to use robotics to do that at scale. And we're going to build a foundry, a factory for synthetic biology. And he was so clear and compelling about those, that vision. He understood the economics and they had won their first contracts for specific molecules to experiment with, with uh, some flavor and fragrant companies that it was highly compelling. And you could see that they could execute and they'd already de-risked a good deal. There were huge unknowns. Would they be able to get product out the door? Would the end product be something the customer that contracted for the research and the molecule want and buy to put into production? Like all those things. Mm. Who would manufacture when they got out of the scale that they were doing in their robotic lab and they needed to go into big, big tanks if they had to produce lots of liters of this stuff. But there was a clear sense from the team that they, this was the team that was going to figure it out. Mm. And ultimately then the, the application for something like that. Yeah. um, The application. You had to verify that there really was going to be a market for these biosynthetics as opposed to petrochemicals, right? right? Which is based synthetics. And um, in in the flavor and fragrance world, world, there are some real advantages, right? Mm. As a good starting point and their ability to sort of engineer novel things. But also now you see this is technology that's used in pharmaceuticals. Mm. It's used in uh, making uh, colors like we talked about earlier. Mm. So it really has been, these are two companies that are formative of that industry. Now we have companies making, um, you know, new meat, right? Meat without cows or chicken without cows. Yes. Right? Yes. With biology. Wow. I, I think I just found the whole area fascinating. Many years ago, I, I was responsible for buying ingredients like uh, flour and cereals and maize and flavorings and colors and for 15 European factories. Uh, mm. So I used to love love going and seeing the sort of technical departments there with the with all their equipment and trying to trying to work out what they were doing and it, it, it's just a whole fascinating area. So your job must be really interesting because you yeah, get what, one of my favorite conversations during the due diligence of that was with one of Ginkgo's first companies, a small specialty chemical chemical manufacturer. I think the founders were from MIT years ago, but I could be wrong, but he's based here on the East Coast called Roberte. And um, you know, their traditional business is taking raw ingredients from all around the world to make flavors like uh, the, the smell of rose into a perfume or some type of es- essential oil that goes into a, a shampoo or product. And the issue for those manufacturers are y- you can replace those flavors with a, a synthetic that's made with petrochemicals, but sometimes it doesn't quite get the, 
the smell or the quality yeah. that you want. And also the your raw materials can be highly volatile yeah. because of the price can be highly volatile because of the their agricultural projects products. Mm -hmm. So if there's like a, a flood in Indonesia or a drought mm -hmm. somewhere, you suddenly don't have your product. Yes. And so synthetic biology is a way to be able to create both novel fragrance fragrances, novel molecules that smell like rose, but new kind you've never smelled, but also to be much better mimics of the things that are happening in the natural world in agriculture. Right. Well, I just noticed we've got three minutes till we're completely finished. So I need a minute minute at the end to wrap up as well. So the next couple of minutes, I just wonder if you if you've got um you know, any sort of final message that you'd like to leave us with for for people who may be considering. I think um, I think there's I think there's two two things. Um, if the the first thing is you know if you really feel like you you have one of these problems you understand that you that that it's got to be solved and you can see the path to solve it and you are a person who can marshal resources and other people to your side. Mm. Um, you know especially for the women in the audience. Uh, it's never too late to start. Yeah. Right. And usually we tend, women tend to wait a little too long. We like to really have all our ducks in a row, but um, the, one of the best things you can do is get out and start working on the idea and having conversations with the smartest people you can find about, about it and how to go about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As you lay out that road, sort of lay out that roadmap. And then for others, I would say, uh, keep driving forward, right? This is that, that environment where it can be kind of lonely and hard as an entrepreneur and stressful. And your strongest resources are your other founders and your other investors who understand the path that you've tread. Fantastic. Hey, it's been absolutely brilliant. I've loved talking to you. Um, I've really yes, found this you. a great, great interview and, and conversation. I think you've really mapped out some of the things we need to think about and and the ladder when it comes to investment and where, where someone like you fits in. I love the examples as well that you shared uh, and the, the final messages. So absolutely brilliant. And if you want to uh, find out a bit more about iGlobe Partners, go to iGlobePartners.com. Um, also, um, Jennifer has a, a LinkedIn profile. If you want to connect with her, you can connect via via LinkedIn. Uh, and on next week's show, we have Blair Singer. And Blair uh, has been on the show before. He's fantastic as well. Um, he's uh, a real um, uh, sort of self-development, self sales uh, and leadership um, expert in the United States. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about um, leadership. But also right now, lots of people are leaving their jobs. They're people are retiring early. Um, people are, are looking for more peaceful kind of life and what we need to do is bring more meaning back so we're going to talk about how as a leader do we bring more meaning back for into people's lives in their work in their businesses personally uh, to um, to ensure we've got a really amazing workforce uh, and with with lots of people who are enjoying a fulfilling existence and, and contributing to a better world so join us again next week with Blair Singer uh, and a, a huge thank you again to Jennifer Jordan and also to iGlobe Partners been been great today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. 
Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.